good? All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. I'm excited uh, to see what, what God has in store for us tonight. Certainly blessed from what we heard uh, this morning. So I'm encouraged. I'll get, I'll get my part over with as quickly as possible so we can give him as much as time as, much time as possible. So what tonight will look like, uh, we'll have two sessions. Have a little bit of worship uh, in, at the beginning of each one of those sessions, and then Michael's going to teach again from the Word, um, and then we'll have a dinner break around six. Uh, we'll have a, a, a dinner break, and what you'll do is you'll go next door, get your plate, come back in here. We'll eat for about 30 minutes um, before we pick up again. So that's what tonight looks like. We're going to do two drawings uh, of five people each, so we're going to do it real fast. I'm just going to read off their names, but if you pre-registered, you got a drawing. You got entered into a drawing. These are books that, <clears throat> that Michael uh, recommended to us just for guys, good resources uh, for you to use. So if I call your name, whenever we get a chance, whenever dinner break or you're going to the bathroom, swing by the table. If I call your name and pick up whichever book you, you want. So there's a couple of every book, so grab one um, and then and whatever's left. If you're the last person, you get whatever's left. Sound good? All right. So let me read off the names. Remember that you were a winner and don't steal one. If you already took one of the books off the back table, you should take it back. It wasn't free. So just so you know. All right. So our winners for this round, we'll have a few winners in the next one. Our winners for this round, Gail Hill. You here? Yeah, there he is. Brian Rodden. You here? Yeah. Kim Cobble. Woohoo. Gary Shaw and Bill Pollard. Right, so if I read your name, at some point, whenever you get a chance, go back there and check out this book. Let me pray for us. The guys are going to lead us in a few songs of worship, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. You are holy, and you are just, and we love you. And we thank you for today, how you have blessed us with your word, that you have not let us continue on in our ignorance and sin, but that you have called us to be men of you and to do the things that you've called us to do. So I pray that you would bless our time here. Be with Michael as he shares your word. May you be honored by it. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hello? It's the flip-flops, yes. Flopping to them. How are we doing tonight, guys? Is that me, Roger? Do I need to... Oh. All right. Now that we're through the awkward part, how's everybody doing tonight? Are we okay? Good. Everybody get a good nap this afternoon, right? Uh, murmurings. I'm not so sure how to interpret that. Well, hey, uh, one of my favorite times is to sing together, and so I want to encourage you. Uh, this is an opportunity. Your, your bones, they may be weary, but man, bend them and stand up, and let's uh, project our voices uh, to the Lord, and let's let's be uh, reminded about the truth that we uh, we believe in tonight. Okay, let's let's sing together. Sing together. Who makes the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of Glory. The king above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth? Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The king of glory, the king above 
Remember what he's done for you. He is worthy. Worthy is a lamb who was slain. Worthy is a king who conquered the grave. Sing it out. Worthy is a lamb who was slain. Worthy is a king who conquered the grave. Worthy is a lamb. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is a failing love that you would take my place. Then you would bear my cross. You laid down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Are you glad for his amazing grace? Amen. <laughs> hey, I, they didn't bring me in here to preach, but I got a word. I don't have a word. The word has a word. Uh, man, some of my most favorite times of when I just was so encouraged in my faith was when I was singing with other men. And I don't, I don't know if that there's been times in your life where you've, you've been through that, where you've just uh, been so aware of who you are and yet reminded of how great our God is. Uh, there is such encouragement that comes 
from being in a room with other men who are lifting up their voices to the Lord. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We've had ample time today to let the word of Christ, the, the word that speaks over our sin, that tells us that we're redeemed and that we're forgiven, that our righteousness is not found in ourselves, but it is found in him. We let that word of Christ dwell with us richly. And it says, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The reality here this morning, guys, or this evening, is that every single one of us need to remember. We heard that this morning. We need to remember the good news of what Jesus has done for us. And one of the ways we can remember to do that is when we sing, as we open our, our mouths and our hearts to remember and sing out these truths about what we believe. And so I just want to encourage you this evening that when we sing these songs tonight, this just isn't just fulfilling some kind of spiritual exercise that there are men around you who need to hear the good news, primarily you and me. And so let's take up the responsibility to sing our hearts out to the Lord and what he has done for us. As we sing this song, Jesus paid it all, that we'll, we'll sing that to the people right next to us and to our own hearts and remember the wonderful truths that our sin is taken care of under the cross. Let's do that tonight, all right? Savior say, my strength indeed is home. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Sing it out. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Yeah. 
this morning, Lord, the, the same truths that we need to hear every single day, Lord, that you fought every temptation, and Lord, yet you were without sin, and Lord, you are our righteousness, even though we fail and though we fall, we rise and we look to you as our hope, and Lord, we remember, Lord, when we find that our love is waning, Lord, let us remember who you are and what you've done to us, and let us repent and let us return. And so, God, I pray this evening, Lord, as men, that we would be humble to receive your word, to be encouraged, and to find hope in Jesus Christ this evening. It's your name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat, guys. Well, it's so great to be back with you this evening. I uh, had such a, a fun time getting to be here to share God's Word with you this morning. I, I again, just want to express my sincere um, joy and appreciation for the invitation to be here today. Uh, I, I love my church at First Mustang, and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for the honor to serve there. And, and every single Sunday, I counted it an immense privilege to get to teach God's Word to our people there. And for 19 years, it's been my joy to do that. Um, and, and there's not many places I would be willing to, to step aside on a Sunday morning to be. And uh, I, just, I just love our people so, so dearly. But when this invitation came, uh, it, it took me about five seconds to say this is going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, it is just an, an unspeakable joy for me to get to be here with you today. It truly, truly is. Uh, I, I was thinking about uh, a couple of things. <clears throat> First of all, I, I mentioned this morning that Jaron in our, in our youth ministry early days uh, started leading music for us, and, and he, he clearly figured it out, right? He does, he does a great job. Uh, I used to preach pretty regularly um, when I was the youth minister in our Sunday night service, and, and I would always say, I think it'd be really good if our youth band led music, just something kind of different. I don't know if they ever caught on that that was every time I preached. I wanted them to, to do that, but uh, so thankful for his gifts. I'll tell you one story, though, that, that stands out to me. So I, we served here, the, basically the whole time I was here, Jaron was, for the most part, he, he was here. He may have moved to Houston, I think, at some point when I was here, but uh, so he was a student, volunteer intern, paid intern, and then he got a paycheck for doing something or another. Once again, college, you were college and singles, I think, is what you did for a while or something, something, something like that. So our offices were there close together, uh, and, and they're up there where the offices are now. So there's not a bathroom that's right there close by. 
And so if you go to the bathroom, you've got to come down the hallway and meander around here, and it's a little bit of a journey. And so just like a couple of girls, you know, we eventually got to where if he had to go to the restroom and say, hey, Michael, I'm going to go to the bathroom, you want to go? And I'd say, sure. Or I'd say, Jeremy, I'm going to the bathroom, you want to go? Sure. And we just kind of turned into going to the bathroom became a two-man sport. And we'd come down here and go to the bathroom and talk and tell stories and catch up on the day. It was just part of the fun of, of working here and part of getting the joy of getting to work uh, close to someone that was, was such a dear friend. The Lord called me from here to First Mustang, and um, this was the only church that I knew in terms of working full-time. After about seven years of working here, we moved to a new church, new city, new house, new friends, new ministry. And I was leaving my home that day, and I, I said to my wife, my first day of my new church, I said, I, I wonder how long it'll take for this to feel like home. I mean, Emmaus has been home for so long. And so I drove to my church at First Mustang, went to my office, and uh, about mid-morning, I needed to go to the restroom. So right next to me, my, right next to my office was the, was the youth minister's office. So I did what I'd done for seven years. I said, hey, do you want to go down to the, to the restroom with me? We'll talk. I'm going to the bathroom. And he looked at me and said, no. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I'm in a, I'm in a new place. <laughs> I probably should have waited to get to know these guys. Uh, th- this was just that much of, of a home for us. Uh, one more just real quick story. When, this was, when we moved in here, uh, this was our sanctuary. I think 97 is when we moved in here. The, the company delivered the pews. We assumed the company was going to move the pews and install them. We assumed wrong. And so we had to go get some students at Mid-America Bible College to help us to physically haul the the uh, pews in here and set them ourselves, and I ended up rushing a staff member to the hospital because he stepped on a screw, and, and right after that, we were moving the stage, getting set up for our first Sunday, there was still some scaffolding that was up and, and kind of halfway done, and the new piano was right there on stage, and a certain staff member, uh, who shall remain nameless, who did the music, wanted to move the piano. And we all said, you know, there's scaffolding right there by it. It's probably not a good idea. And he took matters in his own hands and moved the scaffolding, and a piece of it fell over and took a big chunk out of the piano. And if you were around, or I don't know if that piano is still around, or maybe on a touring for all I know, but if you have a piano around here that's missing a significant piece of it, I saw it happen. And uh, the statute of limitations, I think, has expired. And uh, so I'll be happy to tell you more details of who it was and if you want to call him and tell him he owes the church some money. Um, but those are, those are all just great, great days and, and great memories to me. And um, for so many of you I've been able to meet that, that I did not know when I served here, and I'm grateful to get to meet all of you gentlemen today. If I haven't been able to say hi to you during the break, please come and, and say hi. I'd love to get to know you. And uh, as I said this morning, this is a church I pray for every single Sunday. I pray for you every single Sunday. And uh, so the more of you I know, uh, the, the more I can pray specifically. So please come and uh, let me say hi to you. Introduce yourself to me during the break. I'd love to get to know you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. We're looking at four words today. We've gone through two of them. Um, look, love, listen, last. That's what men of God do. We look to the Lord. We love the Lord. We're going to look right now that men listen to the Lord and then our last session, that men last with the Lord. Uh, if, if you at all can, I hope you'll stay after dinner, uh, because what I want to share with you last, I, I think maybe the most important thing that we will look at today. But real men, men of God, 
Listen to the Lord. Uh, if you're like me uh, and you grew up going to church, you probably noticed something that, that I noticed. As a little kid, uh, I was always in church. My dad was a music minister, never missed church, loved it. And I noticed that Mother's Day, uh, the sermon was always something like, moms have such a hard job, moms are so important, moms should be respected, moms should be loved. Absolutely true. But then when Father's Day rolled around every year, it was, dads are pretty lazy, you need to do a better job, why aren't you working harder, why aren't you leading your families better? And I began to realize, Mother's Day, the church is packed, Father's Day, the church is kind of empty. Now, some of that's because school's in session versus summer, some of it's because moms on Mother's Day, once they want to come to church with their dads, sometimes on Father's Day, do want to go play golf and be left alone. But even as a little kid, I remember thinking, if I was a dad, I don't think I would enjoy Father's Day at church, because all I hear is how lazy dads are. And I just want to say to you men in this room, being a godly husband and being a godly father and being a godly man is hard work. And I mean this with all my heart. I have so much respect for men who love to do the right thing and try the best they can to serve the Lord. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't care for those things. And I want you to hear me say clearly, I'm not here to, to beat you up, to make you think that you've got to you know, be something you're not, it, other than just to say, let's be who Christ made us to be, let's repent of sin in our life, and let's live a, a holy, godly life pleasing to Him. But other than that, I want you to understand, I get how hard your life is. I live it. And I wish I was a better husband, and I wish I was a better father, and I wish I was a better pastor. I wish I was more faithful in a thousand things. But like you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying hard. And I want you to know that I respect you. And I applaud your desire to learn and your desire to, to be fed the Word of God so much so that you would come here. I mean, of all things, on the first Sunday of the NFL, you guys are here. And I want you to know that I affirm that. And I appreciate that. And that's not a small thing. What God has called us to do is a huge job with massive ramifications. And I appreciate and acknowledge how hard it is to be a man of God. And if we're going to succeed in being true men of God, we've got to be men who listen to the Word. So let's look here. 1 Corinthians 16. I hope you're going to see a purposeful connection from this morning's time in the Word and, and this message. Just two verses. 1 Corinthians 16 Verses 13 and 14. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. If we are going to be men of God, we need to listen to this. We need to listen to what the Lord tells us to do. James tells us to not only listen to the Word, but what? Do what it says. Or the version I learned as a kid, um, be doers of the Word and what? Not hearers only. 
We want to hear the Word, but, but biblically, if we're going to listen and we're going to know who Christ is by experience, it has the idea that we are following through with what we know. The Bible over and over again makes clear that the instruction we receive is given to us that we may live it out. To take our salvation and work it out, Philippians says. You don't work for your salvation. You work out your salvation. You take what's been given to you and you work it out. You release it into every part of your life. So men of God look to the Lord as our Savior. We love the Lord as response of what He's done for us. And now we listen to the Lord and listening carries the idea with it that we're going to follow through and do what the Word says. So if you're taking notes, we'll just use the, the biblical wording here to be our outline. Number one, be watchful. Be watchful. The word means to be awake, to be vigilant, to be alive. It's used 22 times in the New Testament, and it's a word that describes Christians as being responsive. This is the opposite of being spiritually numb. My guess would be a number of men in churches, if they were honest with themselves, would have to admit that from time to time we grow pretty spiritually numb. And we don't stay watchful. But the Bible instructs us over and over again as godly men to be watchful. Let me just give you several areas that the, t that the Scripture tells us to be watchful. One, we need to be watchful against temptation. Be watchful against temptation. 1 Peter 5, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. By the way, we looked at that in Matthew 4. The devil was prowling, roaring, looking to devour Christ. Praise the Lord, Christ did what we did not do. Amen? That's why He's our perfect Savior. But we want to be on the guard against temptation. Know your weaknesses. I was counseling with a man years ago, and uh, he lived in Mustang. He worked in Norman, and uh, he just about lost his marriage because of a gambling addiction. And he said, Michael, he said, I, it, it's so hard for me, and, and when I drive to work, I drive right by the casino. I said, well, take a different route. He said, well, you don't understand. That would, that would cost me 10 or 15 minutes. And I said, no, you don't understand. Your route's about to cost you your marriage. Know your weakness. He said, well, that, that's embarrassing because I, I would have to admit to my wife that, that I can't drive past the casino. And I said, brother, know your weakness. Be smart enough to know I'll do whatever it takes to do the right thing. And if you have to get up 15 minutes earlier to go a different route, to avoid that temptation, have the wisdom to do that. You've got to be watchful. Against temptation is one example. Here's another example. You have to be watchful, the Bible says, for the Lord's return. This is particularly something I want you to consider with me as, as men of God tonight. Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. The idea is that we are to be watchful for the Lord's return, and because we know the Lord is coming again, that should infuse us with a sense of urgency in our life. 
It is amazing to me how much time people waste. The Lord is coming, and here's the thing. Uh, I, I taught through the book of Revelation about two years ago uh, at, at our church in Mustang, and like anyone who teaches through Revelation, the, the question I got more than any other is, do you think the Lord's coming in, in our lifetime? And my answer is, I have no idea. But you're living in your last days either way. Either way. If I could promise you, promise you the Lord was coming back in 30 years or 20 years, you may think that that seems pretty quick. We better get things together. Listen, there's a lot of us in this room won't be around in 20 or 30 years. You are living in your last days no matter what. And so we want to be men who are watchful that the Lord is returning. He's coming again, and He may come on the clouds in your lifetime, or He may call you to meet Him before that. Either way, be watchful that you are going to meet the Lord face to face. And that should be the filter through which everything in your life runs. Yes, life is hard, and, and yes, job things are difficult, and yes, financial stress is real. I'm not pretending it's not. I'm just saying, encounter those difficulties in light of the fact that someday soon, you are going to meet the Lord face to face. And maybe the things that keep you awake at night ought to be something you let go of and, and turn your attention to things that are much more meaningful. Be watchful. Those of you who have kids, raise your hand if you've got kids at home. It's a lot of you, great. Three words that through the years I've tried to teach in, in parenting conferences I do, and I've been preaching these to myself all these years. I just sent my youngest son to, to college. Three words, the role of a parent, teach, train, and release. It's what a parent's supposed to do. You teach your kids, that means you tell them what to do. You train them. You let them start to do it, and then you release them. Now, when I say release, it doesn't mean you let go in the sense of they're, they're out of your life, out of your hair forever, and, and you don't worry about it. Of course not. That, that's never the case. But the goal of a Christian parent is not to keep your child tethered to you. It's to teach them the truth, train them in the truth for the purpose of releasing them to go live for Christ in the world. And as men, we must be watchful and be watchful against temptation, be watchful for the Lord's coming, and be watchful as we are parenting our children with purpose and with urgency. My youngest son, I hope my influence isn't finished with him. I hope I still have time to impact his life. But I will no longer ever again see my son, at least as far as I know at this point in life, I know things change, every single day. He's an hour and a half away from me. Close enough I could see him with any emergency. Far enough I won't see him unless it's on purpose. The Lord gave me 18 and a half years. And I can promise you right now with all my heart, I do not wish I had watched more television those 18 and a half years. Teach, train, for the goal of releasing. Be watchful. Or to just sum that up in a different way, live your life with purpose, gentlemen. Let's keep going. Be watchful. Here's the second thing. Stand firm in the faith. 
Stand firm in the faith. Gentlemen, you have to know your doctrine. It's interesting to me on things like Facebook where people are very bold and in one sense they stand firm, they just stand firm in foolishness. You probably have seen that and come across that. People sometimes are passionate and bold, they just don't know anything. Stand firm in the faith, in that which is true, in that which is right. Gentlemen, be the spiritual protectors of your home. Be the spiritual protectors of your home. Listen, you don't have to be the grand champion theologian in your home, but be the protector and be the defender. Um, my wife is, is the most gifted person I know. Uh, we bought a house 10, 12 years ago. She remodeled the whole thing, um, laid the tile, built walls, tore down walls, d- did the whole thing. Uh, my wife has a, a great voice. That's one of the things that kind of drew me to her when we were just starting the day. I heard her sing. I was like, I'd like to, like to hear more of that the rest of my life. My wife also um, would annihilate me in Bible trivia. And I can't say with certainty, but if my life was on the line and she were going against anyone in this room, I'd take the little one. I'd take Marcy. She's brilliant. We're, our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and so it'll be early in the morning. She's just finished her quiet time, and she's like, now, Michael, help me remember, what, who, was the, who was the third king, and what was his grandson, and what was, and I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know. She's like, oh, yeah, I remember it was so-and-so, and so I'm like, okay, great, good for you, good for you, I'm glad you know that. I want to be the spiritual protector of my home. I want to be the spiritual defender of my home. I want to be the spiritual cheerleader of my home. I'll never be the smartest person in my home. Never, not as long as my wife's alive. She knows more about more things and has more talent than anyone I know, far more than me. I'll never be the smartest person in my home. But I will be the defender of my home. And I will be the shepherd of my home. And I will protect my home. And I will lay down my life for my family for them to seek the Lord in all things as best I can. Sometimes husbands get pretty intimidated by their wife, especially, gentlemen, if you're maybe married to someone who grew up in church and you didn't. Encourage that. Challenge that. uh, Help her with that. You keep concentrating on your walk with the Lord. Stand firm in the faith. Know your doctrine. You may not be the smartest guy in the class. You may not be the smartest guy in the church. You may not be the smartest guy in your home. Don't ever let someone else's intellect keep you from pursuing the truth of God's Word. It's interesting because even in the world of preaching, technology is a great thing. And uh, it, of course, it can be used for bad. It can be used for great good. Um, everyone who preaches, uh, oh, and I'm sure you've, you've had this too, um, where you get through preaching a sermon and somebody comes up to you and says something like, uh, hey, have you, uh, you preached on this text. Have, have you heard Matt Chandler's sermon on that? Have you ever heard John MacArthur preach on that? I've got a lot of John MacArthur fans in my church. I went to a seminary and uh, enjoyed that immensely and, and, and respect him with all my heart. Um, but I've got a collection 
of John MacArthur CDs because every time I preach on a text, I've got three guys in church say, hey, here's his 18-week you know, series on this one word that you might want to listen to. And I'm like, you know what, That's, it's all online now. You don't have to keep you know, buying $1,000 of CDs. And sometimes pastors can get uh, paranoid or frustrated or sensitive or whatever the right word may be because everyone in the church has access to hear the greatest preaching if they want to in the world. The greatest preaching in the world does not happen at First Baptist Mustang. But everyone in my church has a chance to hear the greatest preaching in the world every single day of their life. And I refuse to be intimidated by that. Because I'm not in some contest to be the world's greatest preacher. My calling is to be faithful to my people. You hear great preaching here every Sunday, I have no doubt. I get to listen to it pretty regularly. I follow you guys online all the time. You have great teaching here all the time. But you also have the ability to go hear men who are the most intelligent, most gifted in the world. Can I just remind you, gentlemen, that those guys that you love from a distance and admire from a distance, and that's a wonderful thing, those are not the men who are going to visit you in the hospital when you're sick. And they are not the men who's going to preach the funeral when your wife dies. So you need to love your pastors. You need to respect your pastors. You need to pray for your pastors. And there may be times where you hear them say, sing a song or preach a sermon, and you think, I, I think I've heard somebody do better. Maybe you have. Maybe you have. But if they're standing firm in the faith and they're fighting for you, you love these men with all your heart. Just like as you try to teach your children at home biblical truth, it may be that they've heard someone else teach that home family devotion and someone else taught it better than you. That may be, but that child depends on you for their daily needs, not somebody else. So you don't ever let someone else's giftedness or intelligence or, or uh, influence in the world keep you from growing in the faith. Are you with me on that? Sometimes we'd get so intimidated. Somebody asks you to teach a Sunday school class, and you sit back and think, man, I, I don't have the knowledge of this one person in the church. I don't have the knowledge of this teacher in here. It's okay. Stand firm in the faith. Grow in the knowledge of the Word. Be watchful over your life. And if you're called and gifted to teach, use those gifts, and don't let somebody else's intellect keep you from being faithful. Then he says... We're still in verse 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. I like that. Act like men. This is a three-word sermon that our entire nation needs to hear, don't you agree? Men, act like men. The idea here is to, to have a, a mature courage. There's a difference in a mature courage and an immature courage. Any of you remember going skiing in college? That's an immature courage. You'll do any jump. You'll go through any tree trail because you're young. You're courageous. Not necessarily smart. It's just courageous. Biblically, we want to have a mature courage. Any of you guys in here, weightlifters, even just for fun? Okay. <laughs> Suppose you were. When I was in college... Uh, weighing all of about 130 pounds, if I had on ankle weights, 
uh, I was at All-American Fitness, and I wanted to bench press 200 pounds. I had no business lifting 200 pounds. It, it would have killed and crushed me. Here's how foolish I was. I thought, I want to lift 200 pounds, and there's no one in the weight room at all. It's just me. And I had heard these stories about how, like, you know, a mom is trapped under a car, and the seven-year-old uh, is, has, like, this rush of adrenaline and can do this heroic lifting because, you know, their body can just do these amazing things, and the kid lifts the car, and the mom lives and survives. That was my strategy. I'm going to put 200 pounds on the bench press, and I'm going to lower it, and it would crush me, but maybe because it's about to kill me, I'll get a rush of adrenaline, and I'll be able to lift the weight. And I was in college. I was courageous. I was an idiot, but I was courageous. And so I lowered the weight, and I waited, <laughs> and I waited, and the rush never came, though I did feel my sternum begin to crack. And if you guys ever grew up lifting weights or playing sports, you know that when the weight gets that heavy, you've got two options. You can do the, the dump to the side and hope it doesn't ricochet back and hit you in the head, or you can do the slow roll of death. And you roll it down and you try to sit up and try to protect yourself for the rest of your life. It's a horrible thing. Why would I do that? Because I was courageous. I was just dumb. There's a lot of immature courage going around the world even in the church. A lot of people want to be bold and strong and loud, but they do not know the truth. To act like men biblically comes on the hills of standing firm in the faith, the faith once for all delivered, passed down from the saints. One gospel for all time. And we need to know that word and believe that word and be trained in the scriptures and pass that down. That's what it means to act like men, to have a mature courage. I'll tell you something else it means to be a man is to be passionate. Men, let me challenge you to have passion in your life. I mean, this is a, you know, football season's just started, and there are PhDs that will paint their chest for the football game. There are grandfathers who have been CEOs of companies who will get down on all fours and make the weirdest noises to their grandbabies. Why? Because they're passionate. They love their grandkids. They love their football team. And I'm not suggesting that next Sunday you ought to start the wave while Owen's preaching. I am suggesting, though, that you are men who have passion. But do you have passion for Christ? You're passionate, I promise you. There's things that excite you and scare you and motivate you and challenge you and excite you. You are men of passion, but do you ever, ever bring your passion when you're here gathering with God's people? Or is that something that you just reserve for Saturday afternoons? Or the first and 15th of each month? Where's your passion? See, I love that Scripture tells us it's okay to act like men, to be who God made you to be. God didn't create men to be wimps. Neither did He create us to be foolish. So we want to be men who are watchful, 
watching for temptation, watching for the Lord's return, living our life on purpose, standing firm in the faith, meaning we know the truth, and we act like men. We are men of passion, just like He's created us to be, but we're passionate about the things of God. So we want to look to the Lord, love the Lord, and listen to the Lord. That's what it means to act like men. Listen to the Lord. We go on here at the end of verse 13. Be strong. I'm tired of spiritually weak men. Are you? I'm tired of men who are behind pulpits in front of the church and are apologetic about the Word of God. I'm tired of hearing it. And it will not take much more time. These men are going to, to, to expose this weakness and they will be proven to be false teachers and false shepherds because here's what's going on right now. You've got a group of people in the culture who are completely, completely denying the truthfulness of God's Word. They don't believe in the veracity of Scripture at all. You have a group right above them that still believe the Scripture and still believe that what God's Word said is true. They're just embarrassed of it and ashamed of it. And so they begin to apologize for it. And after you apologize for it, then you start to be silent on it. And then it's just a very small step unto denying it. You'll see this play out in about the next five years in warp speed. Trust me. You need to be men who are strong in the things of God. And if you think that this is an easy day to be a pastor of God's people, can I just share with you from my heart on behalf of your pastors, this is not an easy day to do what God's called us to do. This is not an easy day. I never expect that when I'm preaching at my church in Mustang, I never expect that everyone who's at church there believes much at all of, of what we believe. Because we want people to come in that don't have a church background. We want people to bring unbelievers to church with us. And I understand that there are people that are hearing me preach every Sunday who do not have a background in the Word and don't have a, a spiritual foundation. And there are things I could say from God's Word that they would hear and think that I'm speaking something that's just crazy to them. Well, I want to be compassionate. And I want to be gentle. And I want to be kind, but I will not be weak. God hasn't called us to be weak. He's called us to be strong. That doesn't mean we just run over people. That doesn't mean that we just don't care about people. We're supposed to be shepherds. We should care and have great compassion. But gentlemen, you need to pray for your pastors to be strong. You need to pray for your Sunday school teachers to be strong. And you need to pray for yourself to be strong. Because let me tell you something. This is not an easy day to be a pastor. This is not an easy day to be a school teacher that loves Jesus either. This isn't an easy day to be a football coach that loves Jesus either. And wherever you go to work tomorrow, if you go to a job, my guess would be that's not a very easy place to go be a light for Christ either. So we better be praying for each other. Because godly men 
listen to Jesus. And if listen, according to James 1, means that you hear the Word and you do what it says, then you're going to not just puff out your chest and say, I'm strong, I'm strong, I'm strong. That means you're going to take what we have heard from the Lord and live it out in the places of your life that are the most difficult to be faithful. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Now, can I just remind you, I want to make sure I'm clear on this. When it comes to spiritual strength, spiritually strong men are servants, not selfish. They're accountable. They're not excuse makers. To be strong is not to say, I will yell louder than you. To be strong is to say, I will serve you. That is not what the world will tell you. The world says, climb the ladder fast so everybody can work for you, so you answer to nobody. The scripture says, you're always accountable and you become a servant to all. You're never more strong than when you serve. Godly men listen to the Lord and they do what the Lord says. Serve each other. Verse 14, here's a purposeful connection to the message we looked at this morning in worship service. Let all that you do be done in love. I wanted to come to this text in this third session because I wanted to build from this morning. I want to keep this emphasis of love in front of us. The Lord is not seeking loveless, passionless men. Let all that you do be done in love. You want to be firm, but not have a spiritually hard heart. You want to be strong, but not domineering. You want to be living a life of conviction, but not a man that lives smugly. Let all that you do be done in love. This is what it means to act like men. And, and just, I love how the Holy Spirit inspired this very short, short text. I mean, notice right here, just boom, boom, boom. Act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. These things fit together. There are some guys that have this mindset that being strong and being a man means that you just have no emotion and no connection and no real relationship. You're just an island. You're just a lone ranger. It's not what Scripture says. Other people have this idea that, that, that what being a real man is like in our culture is you're just supposed to be kind of soft and, 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 and you just kind of let everybody else lead because men have had their time to lead and, and that time's over, it's a new day. We just hand that off to somebody else. Listen, the same word that tells you to act like men, tells you to be strong, tells you to make sure everything you do is done in love. There is no tension between being a man of strength and a man of love. And I'm grateful for that. So, um, maybe six weeks ago, it's Saturday night, I guess, or actually Sunday morning, 3 a.m., and um, it's just Mars night at the house. Church is coming up here in just a few hours, 3 a.m., and our burglar alarm goes off. And there is no, I mean, the, I, I didn't get the adrenaline, adrenaline rush lifting the weights. Uh, I got the adrenaline rush when the alarm went off at 3 a.m. 
And I said what I always say. Good luck, honey. Hope you come back. Well, well, Michael, why don't you go check it out? No, you know, I checked it out last time, sweetie. Here, let's go rock, scissors, paper. That's how we turn off the lights in our house. Rock, scissors, paper. Let's see who will go confront the burglar. Rock, scissors, paper, right? Of course not. It's never her turn to go do that. Right? Some of you look at me like, really? So, let me make this non-rhetorical, and I'll make this instructive. It's never your wife's turn to go see if there's a burglar in the house. Never. So why is it that so many men are willing to hand off the spiritual protection of their home to their wife? You would surely never do that physically. But how quick are we to do that spiritually? Act like men. And not some kind of cold, hardened, calloused man. No, no, no. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Gentlemen, if you're married, you have a responsibility to be faithful to your wife. You also have a responsibility to love your wife. And let all that you do be done in love. Serve your wife. Protect your wife. And all those things that we would do physically, how much more should we do those things spiritually? See, godly men listen to the Lord. And they do what it says. I have, I'll close with this. I've got a, we've got a dilemma in my family. This is actually a pretty serious problem. It kind of crept up on me. Uh, three weeks ago, it was Wednesday night, got home from church, and uh, just Mars and I, our son had just moved off to OSU, oldest son's in Norman at OU. And um, by the way, th- those who are asking about it this morning, we're not a house divided. We know where our loyalty stands, all right? It's three against one. We're not divided. It's an unfair fight. Um... My wife's master's degree is from OU Health Science Center. Trust me, we're not a house divided. <laughs> um, so it's Wednesday night, and we're sitting there getting ready to go to bed. And I said, I said honey, I said, uh, I said, we got a problem. The trash comes on Thursday mornings. When my kids hit first grade, it became their responsibility to take the trash out. I hadn't taken the trash out in like 14 years. The kids did it. And when Kale went off to OU, it became Benjamin's full-time job. He takes the trash out, collects it, takes it to the curb on Thursday, brings it up. For 13 or 14, I haven't even considered who's going to take the trash out. That's why I had kids. I was tired of taking the trash out. And she laughed and she said, Michael... She said, Benjamin quit doing that about six months ago. And I said, it did? She said, yeah. And he was busy. He was working and had a bunch of hours and was finishing his senior year. She said, I just started doing it for him. I said, he doesn't take the trash out anymore? She said, no, I've been doing it for six months. I said, well, honey, here's the deal. I said, it's been working really well. (laughs) And we've had uninterrupted uninterrupted trash service, so 
I say we just keep it going. <laughs> See, my, my wife was serving in a way I, I didn't even realize. If that had been me, I'd have done it. I'd have sure made sure she knew I was doing it. I'd say, honey, I just, you know, I don't want any credit, but I, I mean, I took the trash out tonight all by myself. Don't you find that it's easier to serve as long as you're getting noticed? I do. And what that reveals in my heart is that sometimes I'll serve up to the point that I'm pleased with the recognition that comes my way. Any pagan would live like that. A man of God says, I'm going to serve, and I need no glory, and I need no recognition, and I need no applause. I wish I was better at that. I want to be better at that. You say, well, I thought men were supposed to be strong. They are strong. And in fact, they're so strong, they fully trust the Lord to take care of all their needs, and they don't need to seek their own recognition. Amen? So what do real men do? Godly men, they look, they love, they listen. Say that with me. We look, they love, and they listen. Say it one more time. We look, we love, and we listen. This isn't rocket science. This is not that complicated. It just comes down to a matter of will we be faithful to what God has clearly revealed in his word to do. We're going to have dinner. And then I'm going to do something I think, I hope, will be very helpful and, and instructive for you. And we're going to look at how do we last. We don't want to live like this for a week or a year. We want to live like this until we meet Christ. Real men last in their pursuit of the Lord. And we're going to look at how to do that after we have dinner together. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you today for your word. I pray that your spirit would come in power and help us to understand these things, or these things are easy to understand, but they are very difficult sometimes to live. These are things that our minds can certainly comprehend. They're just things that our hands sometimes have a hard time following through with. But Lord, we want to be faithful. We want to be godly men who look to the Lord, who love the Lord, and who listen to the Lord. Help us to do those things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably my third son in that. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Uh...